This is Shaka Ward Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaka Ward Speak. What's up? We're back. Time after time. <laughs> oh, man. If you're lost and you have no soft skills. You'll find me. (laughs) You'll find me. Come find me. Time after time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so we're back. We are talking about soft skills. Um, Hopefully you've checked out the introduction episode to the series. If you haven't, go back and listen to that first, because if you don't listen to that first, you're listening to it last, Mm -hmm. and then it won't help you. That's right. You know what I mean? It's like, don't read the back of the book Mm -hmm. before you listen to the front of the book. Because last is just one letter removed from lost. Yeah, and that's not what we want. There you might be and a if you soft take, skill about doing things in the right order. And if you take out the L <laughs> and the, the T, <laughs> yeah. if you take out the L and the T in the word last, you're left with as. Mm-hmm. And if you add another S, it's a whole problem. It is. So let's not be that. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm just totally joking. But if it's you just, had an S in a different way, it's Shaco Art Space. That's exactly so what I'm saying. Fantastically happy you're here with us. Welcome to <laughs> SAS in Shut. Richmond. <laughs> So yeah, we are here Sorry. with soft skills, which um, you might be questioning why we're talking about it, because uh, you might say, I don't know that they have soft skills. I don't. Um, from <laughs> I am soft, <laughs> though. <laughs> I'm skilled at being soft. I'm skilled at being soft. Soft yeah. plus skills. <laughs> yeah. So last episode was the introduction. Go back, take a listen to it. We'll sit here, wait patiently. No big deal. Yep. Um, See you in 30. Yeah. Quick 30, no problem. Um, but uh, just as kind of a heads up thing, right? This is uh, These are the skills that are not technical. Yes. These are things that we have to talk about in an internal uh, character producing or mm-hmm. character reinforcing sort of way. Yes. Um, and these are also skills that you can start very small to ingrain uh, into kind of your daily activities. They can become sort of habitual. They can like they can become embodied um, because we as we discussed last episode, we really do believe that soft skills are one of the best ways that we can keep humanizing each other through our interactions mm-hmm. and the work that we do. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you're a fantastic artist, designer, writer, maker, whatever you are out there with your amazing technical skills. Um, but what's going to help me dig into your work and your creative world more is going to be those soft skills that allow me to approach you and you to approach me so that we can know and be known by each other. Mm-hmm. So that's really where we're landing in all this. Stuff. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? So we're talking about time management and we talked, we get into, so can I, can I take it in a weird direction first? No, no, no. We don't do that. I know. Off brand. Um, and it, it, <laughs> totally off brand. <laughs> so, so I, some things I've said before, but I actually think it really bears on this. So I'm going to get really, I'm going to, I just want to spin this out there and let this be the cloud that we try to un, unpack into time management. Okay. All right. So we talked about character and, and we talked about a decent amount in the last episode, mm-hmm. um, about soft skills and the, like, kind of like, um, uh, how they're not, uh, they're, 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 um, they have something to do with you and your authentic self and, and the way you inhabit um, yeah. um, and ex- convey certain skills that are not like hard skills that are you're trained in necessarily that are like technical in that tight, rigid sense. Um, you know, we talked about with Cody, asked a great question about are they social? And it's like they kind of are adjacent to social they're not social but they they impact the social not exclusively right. social but they're not exclusively social. they're kind of behind the scenes in that sense because you get to your point you can be alone and you could be in your studio doing certain things that are very much a part of the soft skills like paying 
uh, ha- being orderly in your ledger so you can pay out your stuff mm-hmm. um, that, you know, your bills and your taxes and, right. you know, and, and uh, knowing how to answer the phone. And, you know, there's like just, I don't know, there's just a lot of stuff there. Right. And so um, I just am going to riff on this for a minute and say that um, because soft skills, because time management strictly, we'll talk about time management is really about space management because time and space are really much more together than they are apart. And I know what you said about, we have a limited amount of time. So we have 24 hours a day, right? Yeah. And then there's, so, so what does this really get into? So I've said this in the past in the podcast, you guys, you guys have heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again in this context. I think it matters. So the, um, I'm going to summarize, uh, um, time has to do with the qualitative state of your being. So if you are having a good time, time goes quickly. And 24 hours is not enough or, or two hours is not enough because where did the time go? So when you're having a good time, time moves quickly, almost always. Yeah. And it's almost always predicated on relationships to something outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Rarely do you introspect and wonder where the time goes with rarely, not always, but rarely. And where you don't actually start getting a little anxious, you start to maybe find yourself depressed Mm-hmm. Time's not moving fast enough. Distracted. Distracted. Um, so, but hobbies can do it. You know, entertainment does it. Um, amazing sunsets do it. But like uh, quality relationships and a satiated authentic self will mean that you are more content in those things and therefore more likely to um, have a, a certain level of um, well-being by comparison. I think there's a spiritual dimension to this that that I, I I believe. So I think there's other factors that are the chief factors that impact this. But um, not to dig into that today. But but just to say that when those are there, time moves faster. So yes. now now compound that with enjoying what you do. Well, when you enjoy what you do, time moves faster because you're in the space of enjoyment and it becomes difficult to manage and curtail enjoyment because who wants to stop having a good time? Nobody. Right. So, so a lot of artists that love what they do struggle with time management because they love what they do. You, you hear what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's because it, and so then time feels like it's moving quickly and that creates a kind of anxiety and it, it becomes self, it becomes um, circular vicious cycle in a way. On the other hand though, uh, when we're, when we are not having a good time, when things aren't drawing us out of ourself, we are, you know, depressed, anxious, worrying, um, not tending to our responsibilities. Then time goes slowly, which magnifies everything that we have dread about, Yes, which is why we go to sleep. We go to sleep to make time move faster yes. so that we can no longer experience the slow pace. So I know I'm speaking quickly. Um, but these two zones, it's only quick because I'm enjoying it, right? Okay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was so weird, Cody. Yeah, I love it. Um, no, so, but, but so, so, um, you can have years of depression because you've been introspecting and nothing ever can, nothing, nothing external to you is ever and draws you out of yourself into a, a kind of self forgetfulness. So time goes on forever. You know, you could be ill and time goes on forever. You could have sickness, yeah. you could have suffering and time goes on forever. Very serious and warranted things and time goes on forever and we don't know what to do with it. So we can't manage our time because it seems to be stretching too long into the future. But on the other hand, we can be quite content 
and very happy and time can go very quickly. And then we can panic and feel like we don't have enough. And sometimes creatives manufacture negativity because the enjoyment of doing what you do means it feels like your life is going to end tomorrow, Mm. which is why some musicians, I think, actually have the fantasy of the 25 year old burning bright because you're so enamored with what you're doing that your time time is a is irrelevant right it doesn't it's like i'm moving too quickly and and you're burning the candle at both ends metaphor really has to do with the qualitative state of your being and your perception of the way you're existing in space so come back around we are i've said it before so it's redundant you've heard me say on a podcast but we are subject to our own objecthood hmm. And we are subject to our own objecthood and we are conscious while moving in space. And that makes up time or one of our chief experiences of time. And that qualitative experience is related to the way we count time, which is a 24 hour day or a month or a year. And the quality of your being over your lifetime can alter your perception of a day, a month, an hour, a year Mm -hmm. invariably. And it does. Um, And most of this is intuitively felt. And so it has a lot to do with our character and our core and uh, who we are and what we're made for and how we account for that impacts how we, how we manage our time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is these are the things that get in the way of time management because time management is space management, mm-hmm. but it's also my mental well-being management or my, my core understanding of what it is that brings me joy and how to exist in states where things are moving quickly as a perception and how I can trust the measured time over and against the way that my state of being feels. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's going too quickly where the time go. Well, if you have good time management, you won't lose yourself. Well, and I think that's a good point because as, as you said that about feeling, that is how I have talked with most people and how they internalize any issue they have with time management where they're like, oh, it, it makes me so anxious. Oh, I'm nervous about it. Um, you know, my time management isn't very good and I don't know how to get into it. So it, so it's an operation that kind of starts or stems from a feeling space, um, you know, which I think is, is interesting because when you talk about something like anxiety or worry, um, it seems to be there are two large categories for how those things enter in. Mm-hmm. And one is either incorrect. Mm-hmm. It's one is that you have incorrect expectations. Yep. And so you produce anxiety because you're, you're shooting at the wrong target. Mm-hmm. And the other is you have unknown expectations. Mm-hmm. So you uh, have a vagueness in front of you. And of course that makes you anxious. That's like, right. Who would want to wander into a room they've never been in and it'd be dark. Mm-hmm. It's this feeling that you would have in that space, which is a normal feeling. And so with something like, you know, not having a soft skill of time management, what it does is going to revert you into a, a strictly just like, uh, like first kind of base feeling space, mm-hmm. which is always going to be a problematic thing mm-hmm. with something like this. Uh, because it's very hard for us to get past the experiential reality of feelings. Yeah. And so if what we're doing is reinforcing a feeling that is bad or negative or anxious, um, it's hard. And one of the things that I've found most uh, in the time I've taught uh, students and individuals that have dealt with time management issues, the thing that um, has always been the easiest for them is once you kind of lay out a sort of rubric, they're like, that's it? It's like, yeah, there's, there's, you don't have to make it difficult. And it's like just by doing a few different things, you can actually make time management something that's freeing, right? Because it becomes a skill and not an anchor that's like weighing you down. 
um, it's yeah. Released. So that's the, so it's one of the things I talked about with my students even just yesterday. So, so cause, because it, you know, we'll ebb and flow between the two points. We'll be depressed sometimes and we'll be, you know, um, up, you know, go get some sun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our relationship to the way we set out our schedule and our work and the space, you know, you're, you, you get into the same space and some days it feels big and some days it feels small. Nothing's changed. Right. That's one of the big points is time hasn't changed. We don't change time. It's the way that our uh, kind of our temporality is the way we're experiencing things. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mean that even, even past initial emotions, although I would include those. And so you're, you're, you're trying not to become emotionless. You're not trying to become Spock. That gets back to the conversation about becoming mechanistic becoming a machine. Right. And, yeah. and, and then, and then you wonder why people treat you, you treat, you dehumanize people, but you, you're mad that they dehumanize you yeah. and a transact. And then like the transactions are cold and no fruit is bore out of the work that you make, or you can't own the work that you make because you're not humane enough to do it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, we're seeing that. I mean, we're, you know, we're seeing that in our culture, like, um, uh, said it before, but in like just tangentially, like inflation is decivilizing. Mm-hmm. It, um, uh, your money's being taken out of your pocket just through inflation, you know? So it, it creates an anxiety mm-hmm. and you start to inhabit the space differently. Like people start to act differently. They start to panic. All of a sudden things become frantic. Uh, your relationship to time changes, like your relationship to tasks changes and your relationship to people changes and it's all influenced and never make big decisions when you're anxious or worried. So yeah. what do you do when the world is always anxious and worried? I don't know. I got to ask for decisions. help. Don't make decisions. <laughs> Let someone else do it. Whoa, don't do that. But, but you know, but that's the, that's the realm right. we're swimming in, right? So 100%. cooler, where's the, the phrase cooler heads prevail. Okay. So, um, you have to figure out why it is that, you know, and, um, why it is that you struggle with time management. So why do I struggle with time management? Well, uh, because, um, I'm inconsistent. I am a procrastinator at times. Uh, um, the fear of failure sometimes is more of a motivator than the positive at task of doing what's in front of me. Yeah. And so the fear motivator kicks over and really the fear is the consequence of not doing something in a in a kind of unspecified way and sometimes i have to wait till that energy mounts so intensely in me that i finally do what i'm supposed to do but then i'm never doing it as well as i could and no one ever knows how good i am which also means no one ever knows how average i am because i've never given myself a chance to be assessed well because i'm never doing things in an orderly fashion yeah. So, so, you know, so it creates a space where psychologically I'm just keeping myself unaccountable and safe mm-hmm. at the expense of real work and real opportunity and real chances to be drawn out of myself into more enriched experiences, which is the kinds of things we talk about when we make art. So the irony is you're cutting yourself off from the very thing you say you want. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And, and so, um, the other reason why is laziness. I actually find other lesser goods more comforting and, and easier. And so um, to manage my time well is to acknowledge that some of these things don't fit in. Mm, To not manage my time time well is to give um, couch potato, couch surfing um, kinds of things that I do room to stay sitting on my couch Um, because I don't really want them to leave because they give me license to do things I really don't have license to do. Yeah. And I'm not being honest. So I'm not being truthful with myself and therefore I can't manage my time well because that would expose it 
<laughs> it'll, it'll, you know, and so the, the, so time management also includes managing in things that are not for your work. Yes. Um, so when I manage my budget, Laura and I factor in splurge money. Mm-hmm. It could be 20 bucks. Literally it's been 20 bucks, mm-hmm. but we always know we got this 20 bucks we can splurge on. Mm-hmm. And that's where the freedom comes in. Yeah. The parameters help us assess what we can do at 20 bucks. There's a lot you can do at 20 bucks if you're creative. Yeah. But if you don't plan for it, then it's anxious and then you may over or underspend and miss out on a good time because mm-hmm. you're trying to, you're denying yourself kind of who you are, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, um, I mean, those are just some thoughts to kick it off, but, but if you don't address the fact that we're, we, we have to be, um, uh, our, our goals have to be clear enough to, to make us accountable to them, but also our, our self, like, who are we? You know, like I have a faith perspective. So like I'm someone who is accountable to something much greater than myself, but also I have a perspective that I am not, um, I got malfunctions mm-hmm. and I have to go to the, the owner's manual and I have to go to the one, the, you know, like the, the, you don't go to yourself when the fridge breaks, you go to the one who made the fridge, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I have to go to the one who made, made me kind of thing is the way I, I look at it. So like, like I, I can't conquer this by myself actually. Like I have to have help and, and I have to have like kind of like revealed understanding. It's not self-determined understanding that gives me a perspective. It's revealed in such a way that I test taste and see and live it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, uh, it's fine tuning or some people call it like sanctification, like you change, Mm -hmm. but it starts very honestly. You don't start at the top of what you'd like to be. You start at the bottom of what you actually are. Yeah. And you can't, you can't self-identify into the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, what I love about what you said, Ryan, is you successfully went through each of the top five uh, skills in time management. (laughs) You just outlined each of those five. So we have prioritization, um, scheduling, Mm -hmm. to-do lists, rest and um delegation mm. so you have those five things mm. which you just walked right through um and and on that note no <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because if we think about that right so we think about prioritization right what am i doing what what is what is the the realm of all possible things that i could be doing and which things should i be doing now mm. or can i be doing now yeah right it is a there's a funneling down uh, and not saying you can't do those other things. It's just saying at this moment in which you exist in the present, mm-hmm. what is necessary to do? Or in this season, right? We talk about rhythms or seasons or yep. things like that. Seasons you are know. big, man. And and we know this, right? Because yeah. like there's times where like, oh, it's, you know, November, December or April, May, I'm a student. Well, we know what your season is. Your yeah. season is probably not hanging out with your friends as much as you like. It is yep. probably staying home, doing your work, finishing your projects, studying for your finals. Or, or also in that same vein, just in, as a amen compliment to what you're saying, I know for sure that um, the obvious, but it's it, it you, I I can be willfully ignorant, willfully ignorant of it, which is in the seasons. Um, like I drink more water in the summer. Yeah, I drink less water in the winter. Mm-hmm. Water's really important to having uh, to being hydrated and your mind working well. Uh, I tend to eat lighter in the summer. I tend to eat heftier in the winter. When I eat heftier in the winter, I'm drinking less water. I tend to move slower. I tend to not, I tend to eat things that are not good for me and they inhibit productivity. And then if I don't really, if I'm not really honest, yeah. then, then I, 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 um, 
you know, I go to WebMD and I try to imagine why I'm sick and dying or something. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I rabbit trail away from a basic season that I'm in. Yeah. And I don't face the season and say, what in this season can I tweak to anticipate uh, the conditions? Because here's mm-hmm. the weird thing about it. We do it with the weather. Yeah. But we don't do it with the weather of ourselves. Like we don't. That's a great point. You know, mm-hmm. no, yeah. that's, that's really good because you're right. We do it with the weather, right? We, we're always, you know, we're always you checking like, well, what is today yep. going to be? You don't like, go out, you don't go out when it's snowing in your underwear unless you're wanting a thrill. Yeah. Like, you know, you want a, a spectacle <laughs> yeah. like you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? 100%. But, so why do, why don't we do that with, um, kind of the seasons of life. Like there are seasons where I am melancholy because it's not as sunny out. And instead of acknowledging that I just deny it. And then I wonder why I'm melancholy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I got to get more sun. So like in my scheduling, I'm, I'm less bright. I don't make as bright. It's like, if you can know this, you can, if you can't get some, if you can't get a handle on it, you can at least impart some of this knowledge to, to friends, know mm-hmm. and be known who can help you get a handle on it. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a fantastic way to do it, right? You have folks that deal with things like, you know, accountability or encouragement, mm-hmm. right? So you might like, I've got a couple guys, um, that I was talking to the other week and I was like, Hey, uh, you two just want to let you know, since you see me at different times throughout the week, um, this is what I'm trying to do. I've got some health issues and I'm trying mm-hmm. to get in check. So I'm doing this. So I just check, need, check. I need you to check on yeah, that and just it's be big. like, Hey, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. That can be the same thing with time management. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have somebody that just pops in and says, Hey, like, do you feel like you were more productive in your studio this week? Yeah. Or do you feel like you were more uh, present? Yeah. You know, in this activity, mm-hmm. um, do you feel less anxious? I mean, there, th- that's, that's one of the, that's one of the best things about relationships is it gets to take our kind of, uh, that, that sort of, um, that internal voice or dialogue that we mm-hmm. have that we have learned really well to tell to shut up and be yeah. quiet. Like it externalizes it to another person to be like, right. Hey, I'm good at ignoring myself, but uh, you're little, my good friend. It's, it's a little more hard. awkward to ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's going to be a bit more pushback. Yeah. All right. Cause, uh, if I tell you to shut up once, you're probably not going to, but my, yeah. my internal dialogue will probably. Yep. So I think, you know, within these five spaces, um, everybody's going to have their kind of natural uh, inclinations or leanings. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have the things that like you're better at. So you might be better at prioritizing or scheduling or making a list or resting and rest. We can talk about <laughs> as a very specific part of time management. We're not talking about lazy, like just dropping out um, or delegation. Right. I would say for me, like on this list, the thing that I am worst at is delegation mm-hmm. because the thing with time management for me is, Oh, I can do this. Yeah. And it's not a question of whether I can or can't. It's a whether it's a question of whether or not the time of my existence on earth will allow me to do it and do it in a way that's good enough. And the other question, mustard. yeah. And that's the thing. The other question with that, that's really hard, but it's true is in an ideal state, you can do it. Right. But we actually never live in an ideal state. Never. So like college gives you a pseudo ideal state, but it's not, it's, it's, yeah. there's an artificiality to it. So the real you, the over, that's the overestimated self. It's like, I can do it right in an ideal state, but you're never in an ideal state. You're in an actual one mm-hmm. that has real demands on your life. You know, poopy diapers or, you know, cook a meal or a friend's mad at you, or like you're in a relationship and your wife's upset or, or your husband's upset or your neighbor is like mad at you because your lawn's not mowed, but your lawnmower is <laughs> yeah. broken. And you don't know how to fix it, but your friend who can fix it's gone on vacation for a week and you still got to get this design project done to a client who does not care about you. Right. It's like, that that's always kind of where we're at. And so it's like, um, you know, how do you, how do you really bring yourself authentically to bear on that? 
Well, that means being truthful. Mm-hmm. And so if you could be truthful, then you can ask for help, but not the kind of help that comes from being slothful, but the kind of help that knows how to, um, I, I like, I like, I like the idea of delegation is help proactive help requesting mm-hmm. in pro, towards productive ends. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that it's, it's help towards productive ends and, and, and it requires egolessness and humility to not do what you said, what you're talking about, which we yeah. do is I could do it. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. But you can't, well, we can't, I can't. And, um, and it's an art and it's a fine line between being like, I don't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, could you, can you be my avatar to like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and so that requires actual relationships coming back around to the first episode. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you don't possess these things then you're bearing it all by yourself and that makes life a drag, it does, it makes it a drag. And so then you land in category ditch depression you don't understand how hard everything is. Well, right. Because I'm not trying to do it all. And you are, Dude, I don't need to understand that. The, the reality of the situation is like with what you're saying, if I am failing in something to be completely honest, I would rather fail in relationship with other people. Like yeah. I would rather be sitting in the ditch with someone. Failing else. alone sucks. It does. Yeah. Like there is, who do you no blame? Like emptier. <laughs> there's, it's like, well, have you hit rock bottom? It's like, I don't yeah, know. I can't I tell anybody know. about it. Yeah. You know, but at least with a friend sitting next to you, they're like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. They can go, yo, this is rock bottom for you. Oh, it yeah. is. Okay, good. Cause I didn't know. Or even better if they're like, Hey, this is rock bottom for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, so yeah. how do we get out of this? You yeah. know, mm-hmm. like outside of that relational space, like it's hard. There, there's a lot well, of our culture. We don't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was just going to say like that. The thing though is for, for a lot of people and I'm probably prone to feel like this, like the feeling of being, you know, that hitting rock bottom and being exposed to another person, the idea of having an audience to me hitting rock bottom and seeing my failures could be like the worst thing possible. So oh, there's yeah. a lot of people who would way rather hit rock bottom by themselves. Oh yeah. Than do it with a friend. That comes to, that comes to a lack of priorities. Yeah. And I'm, it, not, I'm that, not saying I wouldn't rather do it. I'm saying it would be better if I'm not. And I agree. Yeah. <laughs> He's um, assuming people that actually love him, but there's like, there's like value. <laughs> yeah. There's Certain values there. Be a rock bottom with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, here, here's where our, where our culture's at though. We hit rock bottom with some people we like, and then we go, you know, it's not too bad here. <laughs> this is the new top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the upside down the right side up. That's right. Well, you know, and I think so, so with this, uh, there is an easy way to, um, sit here and be like, so, so Ryan and Gareth and Cody, are you guys telling me there's some stuff I'm going to have to do that I'm not going to like? Please call us RGC. <laughs> RGC. <laughs> Like RGC, is there something that uh, I'm gonna have to do that I don't like? And <laughs> in the classes, red, I green, choose. cayenne for all you designers. <laughs> well, because if we call you GRC, that's like the Richmond, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> GTRC, whatever it's called, RGC. Oh, sorry, but if I mean, you know, if um, <laughs> with all of uh, with all of um, the classes I teach, I always have a, a term I use over and over again, which is the not sexy work. Yeah. And that the stuff that we are attracted to, the shiny lights, the bright promise of creative fields mm-hmm. um, are undergirded by a lot of not sexy work. Yeah. Right. Uh, standing in front of a piece that you've been working on for who knows how long and just sitting there and be like, are you ever going to become a thing? Like, yeah. how come I'm stuck on you? Um, or, uh, you know, emailing or visiting X number of galleries or design shops and hearing the same two letter word over and over again. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of unsexy work out there. Um, and the thing about this is that this isn't going to be some like 
it's not some magic bullet, right? It's not some silver bullet that's going to slay the beast and you're going to get there and it's all going to be successful and good. Um, but it is a way to kind of step into stuff and be like, yeah, we, we are moving in that direction and it kind of sucks and it's hard, right? Because climbing out of any hole, if we're still going with a metaphor, pushing the metaphor of rock bottom, like to get out of that, you got to climb up a wall that apparently was not easy. That is not easy to deal with. Um, so again, the relationship thing is much more important um, than we might might assume. Right. Also, you know, half joking, half serious. Um, sometimes, uh, the non-sexy work sneaks up on you and becomes sexy. It does. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes sweatpants are not too bad. And so what I mean by that, (laughs) (laughs) what I mean by that, um, uh, is fidelity sustains you and weathers you through, um, seasons where you don't feel faithful to the work you're called to do. And so fidelity enriches. Um, so this is the thing the it's the life lived doing the thing it's, it's the cliche that's less cliche than it is cliche but it's, we just say it in cliche ways but you know it's the miley cyrus it's the climb but it's mm-hmm. it's both actually it's the destination and the climb together and it's so it's it's learning to delight in the in the uh, peaks and valleys it's learning to it's learning um, fidelity will allow you to acquire the ability to understand yourself in seasons where you want to be unfaithful mm-hmm so that you can understand the power of fidelity. Because yeah, in a real way, the fidelity is the work. It's the work. Like the finishing of the work the is not yeah, the work. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's it's the, the culmination. end. That's the culmination. That's the right. end. It's the destination. So, so if you love the end, but um, if you love the outcome or you have a belief, it's if you love the, so here, okay, so here's something I, I told my students today. I said, all of you got gifts. And imagine, you know, I'll say, I'll say it this way today, but I said it in a more or less descriptive way. I just said, hey, imagine being at a party where you got gifts all wrapped up that you've wrapped through your gifts, you know, Christmas time. And, uh, but you, you don't give them to anybody and you don't open them. So they just sit there. Yeah. So, um, nobody wants to be at a, nobody, everybody knows giving your gifts, uh, induces something in other people that also is really wonderful and delightful to be in the part of mm-hmm. like giving a gift is amazing. We, of course, we love receiving gifts. So best case scenario is it's always Christmas because you're always giving and giving, receiving. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's like selfishly speaking. But but truly, gifts make sense and actualize only when given. Yeah. Nobody nobody gets gifts on average and never opens them. Nobody packages up something, a gift to give and never gives it on average, right? I know there's an anomaly situation where someone's like, I stopped loving them and I kept the gift as a reminder of, I, I know, but what I'm saying in general, you don't do that. You right. you want some, you package it so someone can open it up. Um, fidelity is faithful to the gifts that have been given. Time management allows you to facilitate those gifts, even when stormy weather comes. Mm-hmm. So when stormy weather comes, you're not unfaithful to the gift because the gift is always culminates in something that is given to other people. Mm-hmm. And you can't get to that point without also loving the process and loving the process is getting strict with it enough to manage your time. Well, yeah. And constraints are pathways to freedom. So I've said it a million times, but if I'm playing basketball and if it's the NBA and LeBron James is playing with Pat Beverly, who just got signed today, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how that works out with Russell, Russell Westbrook for all you basketball fans, which is probably nobody because they had a big beef. They have like the ultimate beef and now they're on the same team mm. and it's a deep, they don't like each other beef. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's going to be funny. But, um, and then Wayne Gretzky shows up while LeBron James is playing basketball 
in a real NBA game and he starts playing hockey and then some dude shows up and starts throwing a Frisbee. Uh, at a minimum, it's entertaining. <laughs> it's also possibly dangerous, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not a game. Right. There's no rules. There's no parameters. And now nobody is free unto the game they're playing. Right. Because the parameters have been broken. Mm-hmm. Parameters are pathways to freedom of kinds, of different kinds. So if you want to play chess, then you are free to the scope and vastness of chess, but only by playing with the rules. If you want to play music, strum chords. Mm-hmm. If you want to eat a meal, cook it. If you name a thing that doesn't have constraints, if you want to breathe, use lungs, mm-hmm. a constraint. So, so constraints are part and parcel to freedom. So gra- we always say it, gravity is acting on you absolutely, which means you are free to dance, sing, jump, build towers, fly airplanes. Those are all what we call freedoms, but they come at the benefit and blessing of real constraint. Mm-hmm. So when the creative thinks that constraint is antithetical to creativity, they're a fool. Oh, 100%. A utter fool. And they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I set it up with my students every class. I did it today. I said, you guys want to play a game? And they said, yes. I said, go. <laughs> and then everybody sat there. I was like, why aren't, why aren't you playing? What's the game? What's, there's no, what are we doing? Well, whatever you want, you're free. Mm-hmm. Ah, loss of meaning, no direction, no aim. Freedom of that kind is not freedom. It's mm-hmm. oppression. It's dumb in the technical dictionary sense. It's, it's raw space with no aim. Mm-hmm. We were given an opportunity to, li- you know, to live out a purposeful life. The question is, what is that purpose? Which I've talked about in other episodes. But um, when you look at the corridor of the next year and you look at time management, you're looking at freedom. Mm -hmm. If you're faithful to stick with it and account for your frame. So find the times where you optimally are awake and and maximize those times as creative peak hours for you. Um, Find time where you feel most lonely because you really need to go sit with your family or your friends and have a drink of coffee or watch a film or eat a meal and plan those Mm -hmm. and see if those things don't enrich and reinforce the map that you've laid for yourself. Well, I know that, you know, we're, what I'd love to do is I'd love for us to put a few of those, those handholds in place, which you're getting at Ryan here. Um, but like maybe be very like just specific with it and get super like practical for a bit. So maybe we can go through each of those five things real quick and just say some, some tips maybe we've learned or some things that were pitfalls we've learned in the past, you know? So when I mm-hmm. think about something, we start with prioritization, mm-hmm. right? So we think about prioritization, it's kind of it's exactly what you were talking about right there. It's prioritization is always in relation to other things, right? So the idea of priority exists within a space of mm-hmm. other stuff, yeah. right? So I can't prioritize something if it's the only thing. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to prioritize over or have something else prioritized over mm-hmm. the thing. So um, for me, in terms of uh, priority, one of the things... I've had to keep in mind is I always have to know like what my goal is. And so sometimes that goal might be this week, my priority has to be established based on what's going to de-stress me because I'm just at a super high stress level this mm-hmm. week. So what things can I get done and focus on first mm-hmm. that make that easier? Um, so I always have to know kind of what my focus is before priority can happen, um, before I can really sit down because it's not a, like you, I don't get to just have a priority mm-hmm. and then it stays that way every week. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't, do y'all have any anything that in terms of priority that y'all uh, could give us like a tip, something that could be like helpful for somebody to grab onto? 
I know for me, I tend to prioritize based on relationships. So I will, I think one of my failures will be because I have a relationship with a person that I care about, I'll want to say yes to doing something for them. And so I'll have like, I'll just queue up a bunch of stuff that I probably am not either going to do well or get done at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe my tip would just be sorting out when you're prioritizing things. If you are the sort of person that tends to want to say yes to a lot of things based on your personal relationship with someone, you know, just think through how that's mapping onto what you actually can do, getting back to like knowing your frame, knowing what your actual capacities are. Because it's just, I find it very easy to say yes to a lot of things mm-hmm. um, because of how it's going to, because of how I desire it to be in a relational sense with the person I'm saying yes to and not do a good job of reflecting on whether or not the tasks I'm saying yes to mm-hmm. fit into my week and my time in a way that's going to make sense. Yeah, I think no is a fantastic part of prioritizing that we don't think about. Because when we think about prioritizing, we think about the stuff that's already there and just putting them in an order, mm-hmm. like fitting them into slots. But with what you're talking about, Cody, that's that's huge because it's like, I think no is a big part of priority where it's like, this thing needs to happen. So mm-hmm. no, I cannot. I may want to. I may really want to. I may love that person uh, and want to be around that person doing this thing much more than I love the other stuff, but those things have to get done. Mm-hmm. So no is a huge part. Mm-hmm. And it, it might force you to ask questions about how you are relating to people, you know, like, mm. is this relationship strong enough that it's okay for me to say no? Right. Um, and is that something that might need to be worked out relationally, maybe with someone either for my benefit or for someone else's? Well, also, like, are you there. a people pleaser? So if you're a yeah. people pleaser, then it, it offsets your, so then why are you a people pleaser? Well, because you think you lack something and you're afraid of rejection. Well, why are you afraid of a direct rejection? Mm-hmm. So write a list and as a priority is like, no, like knowing your frame is trying to get as telling the truth is really hard. It almost feels impossible. Mm-hmm. So you have to like really work hard to tell the truth. So you, you got to find a way to get as honest as you can and do kind of take inventory on a seasonal basis. And so practically take inventory of who you are and try to tell the truth. Um, don't, don't say what you'd like to be or like to do or like to think, but really look at, and kind of with gratitude, look at where you're really at with gratitude. Try to be grateful. Um, and from a place of gratitude, look at, uh, the value of the responsibilities you've been given. Do you have a family? Do you have a home? Do you have bills? Do you, do you want those things? Um, so have some enduring goals and look at those, whether you already have them or you want them and let those influence your weekly priorities. Mm -hmm. Do these things Mm -hmm. work to my weekly priorities? Sorry. Do these weekly priorities work towards these larger priorities good call yeah yeah so so um so tell the truth about yourself get real with um what you've got and be grateful for it don't be discontent because discontentment and i I think this gets into spiritual dimensions and you know perspectives that i believe etc but if you're not looking rightly for where contentment is found then you'll you'll wrongly expect um contentment in things that can't give it to you and so then you'll you'll try to work away from good gifts that have been given to you like marriages and children or friendships. And you'll try to abandon those because that's the grass is greener phenomenon. Well, if I just had this over here, mm-hmm. then I would, I would be able to go. Okay. So, so really get clear on what you have and how it's a gift and how to maintain that gift while then prioritizing time for, um, the things that 
you're going to do. So like for me, what does that mean? Well, that means that um, if I'm going to make a painting, I have a home, I have a job, I have a wife and three kids, I have Shaco Art Space, I have you all and other friends. I'm a professor. I've got a lot of, I have another, a larger community that I'm a part of that, you know, you serve in and you meet with, you know, all the time. And so I have neighbors, so I've got a lot of priorities. So what does that do? Well, that means that a lot of those things are scheduled because they're priorities. Mm -hmm. And in my workflow, then I schedule time for reading, for writing and for painting. But painting oftentimes finds its way into the cracks so it may be on a lunch break or it may be early in the morning before real work gets started in other places or it may be after dinner or it might be an hour at night. And so what I'm trying to do is find these optimal times where I'm still awake and I might be able to lay down a few marks. The reason why I'm doing that in this season is because I've failed to do that in the past and I now see the failure as being costly because had I been faithful, the fidelity over the last several years would have been given me an abundance to work on in this season of my life mm. because the seasons change and my children are older, but I didn't believe it and I wasn't trusting and I, I wasn't faithful. So I doubted and I abandoned and I delayed. And so uh, there's a cost to that and now I'm paying the cost for that. So I can't rectify the cost uh, past the time that I'm given unless I compromise my other priorities and I can't do that. So I have to live in the freedom of the constraints that have been given to me. So well, I think that's good because that gets in the second one, which is scheduling, mm -hmm. right? And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, it's one of those things like priorities have to move their way into a schedule, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. you can you can want a lot of different things. You can think a lot of stuff, but if it doesn't actually get into a tangible thing that gives you form mm -hmm. and, or, or provides a bit more structure to your form, then it's a little harder. For me, what that looks like in terms of priorities um, is just understanding, and this has been the same thing. This has been a long kind of journey of learning through uh, constant failure. Um, but when I when I do scheduling, one of the things I like to try to do is I never schedule anything for the week I'm in, like nothing new in the week I'm in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of those things because um, if I'm rocking with my priorities, this week has probably already been decided for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that if there was a great opportunity that pops up, I couldn't find a way to move things around. But it just means as a general scheduling guideline, if we're doing something, it's going to be a week out. Um, if it's not already a natural rhythm, if it's already not a, a priority that's there, um, just the space I'm in right now mm -hmm. doesn't afford for the, the time for me to say I can do this in the next mm -hmm. four to six days. And that's, I mean, in terms of, in terms of scheduling, that's that's pretty much the big thing for me. It's just learning like uh, your week's already accounted for because you're in it. Mm -hmm. um, but next yeah. week has some availability because it's yeah. not real yet. My chief enemy is just me. Yeah. So so it, it's going to come down to scheduling is always going to come down to diligence. Mm. That's the fidelity piece. Like, and um, I'm not extremely faithful with um, schedules. So that's where I I, I just I my conscience won't allow me to not say that I, I it's almost like I need a uh, divine in intervention that understands my frame better than I do. So when I say, Hey, tell the truth. The reason why I say that it's hard is I don't know that I can know what's wrong with me all the time. In fact, I don't yeah. believe that I can from a faith perspective. So like I actually have, I have to have intervention like, um, uh, in uh, the insight comes from outside of me. You know, it's not like, um, self-generated it's not like pull yourself up by your bootstraps which you were talking about earlier like mm -hmm. not at all and yeah. i would i would just feel terrible if i misled anybody in my in anything that i've said 
is if like you can do it and it's just all up to you. It's kind of like, it's like almost like the recognition starts with help. I can't, unless something intervenes a little bit, like, you know, unless you're like a strict materialist, um, which some people are, but I always ask him, you know, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you, you, you gotta also have a kind of, um, reasonable expectation for yourself. Mm-hmm. So like you have to know you're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not cause we're not robots, you know? So when yeah. you're scheduling, you may be on one week and off one week. And when you get off, sometimes that'll just make you go, well, why try? But I think that's what fidelity is. It's like, oh, we messed up. We got to stay faithful next week. We got to pick back up again. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's, it's accounting for the truthfulness of how you're going to bounce around. And here's the thing. If you're the opposite, let's say you're hyper scheduled and you're, 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 you're on it. You're like, I got all this on lockdown. Well, you maybe need to go get a beer with somebody and like <laughs> lose track of time. Yeah, totally. You yeah. know? Well, what about a to-do list? Do y'all do that in any way? No, because that's like doing one more extra thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't do a lot of to-do lists. Oh, and when I attend, so I know people who do. Yeah, um, yeah, you don't care. You're talking to my wife. my wife. Lauren I'm sitting here like awkwardly my wife. in my chair. Uh, yeah. How do y'all do that? Um, my <laughs> wife loves to-do lists, loves making them, loves completing them. Checking it the twice. Important thing. Um yeah, I, I find that when I make a to list, it tends to just. I'll either not put it somewhere that I reference it again, which is kind of like the importance of it, is <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. able to refer back to it. Yeah, that, yes. it, it And so, like, if I write it and then I don't just never refer back to it, then if anything, the act of writing it may be kind of imprinted it on my brain a little bit. Um, Writing is so exhausting. And I had I had a supervisor, <laughs> so I had someone who, um, who I work with who, who oversees me. And um, I mentioned that I'm in a teaching role now in my job, which is something I have only been doing for a few months. So I've been getting some some good coaching, and, and my supervisor is awesome. And I was talking about to do lists, and I was like, "Yeah, I've got this idea for how I'm going to do these to do lists to make sure I don't lose track of things." And she was like, "Cody, you're making so much more work for yourself." By trying to construct this elaborate to-do list, it's not going to work. Your step one for Cody overcomplicate. Yes. Step two, realize <laughs> I've overcomplicated. And step I was like, three. man, like you've like you've been working with me for like at this point. When she said that, it was like the third week that we had been like working together. I was like, man, I just got nailed. Like, Already. am I really that transparent? Yep. But yes, you're right. And I just had to eat it. I was like, yeah. yes, I'm I'm basically designing a system for failure. In how I was thinking about, but it'll be elaborate, and you'll look at it, and go look at that. I mean, um, I mean, I would, I would say that your boss has a highly problematic view of what a do list is. Uh, I think, I think, place, if a, you think a, it's a system a for big failure, but part uh, of it was that. No, no, I think he's saying by overcomplicating, she it's not was the recognizing list. something about me. He is going how. to, he is making a, an elaborate cathedral that is doomed to fail because he's overcomplicating it. That's what she means. Yes, and yeah. so she she had that insight. Well, I, I still I still mm-hmm. think her her uh, her um, her diagnosis I think points to some 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 ideas about what those things are in the first place. Is was, was what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you may have been, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if somebody's going to look at a do list and say, "Oh, this is a thing that's just going to be failed," like, there's probably already a set idea in their head about what those are in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, like for a to-do list, it's it's pretty much like uh, it, it is part of my morning routine 
you know, hang out with the family, have breakfast, have some coffee, make a to-do list for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is, it's, it's back to that whole idea of like anxiety is like, uh, if I don't know what I'm doing or if I know it in a rough, like ephemeral sense mm-hmm. of like, okay, this and this and this, um, then it's, uh, it's, it's only going to be a problem for me. Yeah. Um, because it's going to be like, oh, I, I don't actually have a thing going on right now. So I guess I'm doing nothing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 you've got a thing and it's here. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's sort of like what we talked about earlier, like with a, with a friend who's like kind of there, like giving the encouragement or, or anything else The the to-do list acts kind of as that in some ways, like there in your work by yourself. So sitting at the desk, it's sitting there just kind of being like Jiminy Cricket. And it's like, hey, don't forget, you got to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's right. That one's there and that's next. So my to-do lists are, are fantastically specific. If you wouldn't have guessed, make my to-do lists and then I make them into ordinal lists. And then I try to give myself time parameters for each of them. So this is should be completed by this point. And the reason for that is most work you do can fill up whatever time you give it. Yes. And you just find a way for that to happen. So don't answer this. Don't answer this question. Okay. But it's a question I, I, someday I want you to answer. Okay. I want to know what percentage of success you are on your list, but don't answer that question. I can answer for you right now. Do you you really want to answer it? Yeah. My guess is, my guess is 75%. No. On my everyday to do list is about 90% because how everything's designated on to do list is uh, today, this week, this month, this semester. Mm-hmm. So everything's got its time frame where mm-hmm. it should work out, and so it's a matter of what is that. But then also the mechanism by which to do lists work for me is: let's say I got twelve items, I get through eleven of them. Well, that means tomorrow's to do list starts that evening. Item number one is number twelve mm-hmm. from the day before, because <laughs> your tasks are never. You don't get to be like, oh, didn't get to it today. It's just not a thing anymore. So yeah, it's it's closer to 90% in terms of the task for the day. But also because I don't look at something as a discrete task within time and say, oh, this thing has to be done today. Mm-hmm. It's I'm doing 30 minutes of this thing today that mm-hmm. may be 12 hours of work. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, you know, if it were something like, you know, if you had something like write a book, <laughs> it wouldn't be a one day task. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, but I am going to spend 15 minutes in pursuit of this thing. Yeah. And so that's the way that it schedules for me. Yeah. I, I always forget we're opposite. So I always think of like, um, I, I always, I'm, uh, we're, we're opposite in a lot of times in our tendency to where we start. So like, I always start with like the goal for this year. Yeah. Yeah. And then you work back through like three semester, three, three month chunks. And I always work from macro to micro. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I rarely get to like a discrete set of tasks for a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never been a, a list maker. I've never been I, anything else. I, I look at lists the way I look at vegetables. I know that they're good. <laughs> Objectively, I know that they work. I have no dispute about it. Mm-hmm. I've just never been successful with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just there's no other way of saying it at this point. It's just a brass tacks like state as it is now. Um. But I am, but I am making changes, and I wonder how those changes will influence that ability at some point. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's like the getting real with yourself and not having it overestimated mm. self mm-hmm. um, always feels regressive. Mm, yeah, yeah. 
because you're always over assuming yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you always over assume yourself, you always feel like you're stepping back. So trying to be okay with, uh, turning from the overestimated self, turning to a truthful understanding of myself and where that comes from. And then starting with, um, humbler assumptions about myself feels very regressive, but I'm in a season where that's happening, mm -hmm. you know, but like bad weather comes when you don't expect it, you know, the, look at the clouds and you're like, Oh, there's no storm. And then it's like, mostly in Richmond. So, um, like I'm curious about things that I've failed at in the past with fresh eyes, mm -hmm. but only because of the over the underestimated or the proper estimation of myself. Yeah. yeah. Only the only way I can be curious is because I'm downsized mm -hmm. and I'm not, uh, I'm in a season where I'm not thinking as highly of myself, you know? Um, so, that's the most sincere thing I can say about lists. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that, that'd be where a lot of folks are. I mean, because it's not a natural inclination for folks mm -hmm. in a lot of spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and some people it is. So, like, I couldn't really conceive of a day without having a list mm -hmm. um, in the same way that um, I couldn't conceive of going on a hike without a map mm -hmm. sort of way where it's like, I need to know that I'm not lost. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they feel for me, um, the way they kind of provide a guide space. A question about how you handle those lists. How much variation is there between your daily lists? I would say there's probably a 30% overlap. Um, I try not to do like repetitive discrete tasks as part of the to-do list. Okay. So it's like, you know, respond to email would not like be on the list, okay. you know, or, um, you know, have lunch. So you'd say you'd maybe have like your daily habits those are non-listed because you expect to move through those things like every day. Yeah, and so then like routine or habit is unique things that you're going to do today, but maybe not tomorrow, but might do next week. Yeah, so I think of it. Ryan had this conversation on three, four years ago. Where I was like, the way I conceive of time is buckets. So I think of each day as a bucket, and which thing is in that bucket. So if I have, let's say, I've got four or five boxes that might be like the different jobs or things that I'm involved with. You know, like there's going to be. Uh, a portion of one bucket might be this, or a whole day's bucket might be one thing. Um, but that, yeah, so it's more of that sort of. Okay, that's helpful. See, my, my, my wife is very much more list oriented, like very list oriented. And like, and um, um, I'm super buckety in my head. So, like, I know on Tuesdays what I can do and what I can't do. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, you know, and the only reason why I would waver on that is because, like, when you get older, your memory starts to waver. You experience different things that I've experienced recently. So, I'm like, oh gosh, I gotta, like, I'll tell you something I did that I've never done as a teacher. Is I, I normally have everything committed to memory when I go to give a lecture. Yeah. yeah. And I actually wrote notes to myself that I could see as I was talking, which seems like a no brainer. Most people probably do that, but I've never had to do that. Mm, yeah. And I did that and it was helpful because I know that I'm going to forget a couple of things because I've, I'm getting older. So like I just had to account for that. And so I did it. It was the first time ever, no joke, where I had like my, I had my notes on my phone and uh, it bolstered what I had to say because I was like, okay, it's there. Um, but I understand some aspect of the effect of the list because I have, like I know what Monday is. Mm -hmm. I know what Tuesday is. Yeah, I know yeah. it was, I know I know what I'm doing and I guess it's funny it's like I have to put my keys in the same place every time right yeah so I'm very very um like like there's routines that yeah, yeah. define spaces 
And um, that's why I, I uh, if you heard me earlier, I said space management is time management. Mm. As a way of saying like a lot of times the way I manage space is how I'm making lists in some ways. Um, because I know where my window of times are. I know, I know what three hours is on yeah. Thursday. I know what Friday is if I have meetings or don't have meetings. And then I have a sense of what to do. But, but where that isn't helpful historically has been like in being married to somebody else who can't live like that, mm-hmm. you know, understandably not, not as like a deficiency, but just it, it, my kids all love to know what's going to, my, my kids want to know what they're eating for breakfast in the morning before yeah, yeah. they go to bed. They're so excited. They're like, what do we have tomorrow? Yeah. Like, right. I'm like, where did this come from? I don't even worry about that. Like, but so Laura and my kids really love to know. And so, you know, we couldn't be further apart. Um, in many ways, and I have to come out of myself to to meet them in their need because um, the greater good of my family is that I have to have more of a clarity. So, you know, it's like the the biggest step has been like actively using a calendar, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which yeah. is a step towards a list. Yeah, it's totally. just a bigger yeah, yeah, list. Yeah. You know, it's not the day of. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's so. that's uh, essential between me and my wife. Yeah, it becomes shared you can't, calendars. Yeah, if you can't, and and then you just yeah. hate yourself if you don't keep a calendar because. Like all of us, we're, you know, we're doing so much that you, you're not like in a pat in the back kind of way, but you just happen to find yourself doing that. So then you're like, you either say no to everything or yes to everything without a calendar. Mm-hmm. And neither one of those is very good. <laughs> yeah. you know? And then the calendar helps you becomes like a list because then you can say no to things mm-hmm. because like I can already see I've got yeah four events queued up over these seven days with yeah. people and i know that i need at least a few nights next week mm-hmm. nothing planned or planned yes. for other things have to yes. and so or i will fry yeah and that's that's something that me and my wife found early in our marriage before we had kids we would burn through weeks where we had um stuff going on with friends or just different events things like that um you know we'd have a seven day week and six of the nights used All up day, dude. and it happens so much to we, us. we got some good advice um from uh more experienced friends they were like yeah like three four nights probably the max you guys should be scheduling mm-hmm. um and it, it became a much healthier routine yeah but it, yeah. it really couldn't happen until we started also doing like shared calendars and yep. committing things to paper well the uh like the last two bits we can just throw out a few popcorn things but it's resting Mm-hmm. And uh, delegating, mm-hmm. and and for me, like they kind of point back to the other one. We're like, I have to schedule. I have to schedule some absolute rest, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't just eventually get to vacation. You got to make like you got to put yeah, it on the calendar. Intentionality. You got to cross off the day because actually, say, actually, Saturday. non-intentional rest is really anxiety in disguise. It's procrastination. And it, yeah, it's procrastination, which typically builds escapism and guilt, and so it makes the thing you had to do even even harder and more painful because you weren't rested. Yeah. So yes. rest should actually invigorate you into um, an easier time entering back into work. Mm-hmm. It should definitely. And then, you know, delegation is just there's some things you just don't have to do. And yeah. there's also some things that people are better than you doing. Absolutely. You know, 900%. why not? You know, yeah. um, so that's a highly relational one for me, the delegation part. Um, and as a person who's, you know, only in the last few years really becoming more and more comfortable with the super relational space. Mm-hmm. Um, course i would have an issue with delegation because mm-hmm. it, it exists in relationship yeah. and delegation also is empowerment um so it's also le- foresight and leadership so when you see people that need the responsibility given to them so they mm-hmm. can actualize uh their gifts um that becomes a gift you're giving them so when it uh, 
moves into that space, it's easier to delegate as a gift than it is as a, a weighted task that is a burden or an ease by which you can do it. You know, like, like, um, like giving a gift to your kid and opening it for them versus letting them unwrap it. Yeah. You know, you want to let them unwrap it. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because that's part of the gift. Right. So delegation has that. I think the mindset of gratitude and gift giving has been a meditation for me on like reprogramming myself in like a hardwiring way, like, like Mm -hmm. brass tacks kind of ways, like doing battle with myself and being like, dude, you know, you got some bunked assumptions that just kind of malfunction all the time. And, you know, you got to go to the manual, if you will, the the source, um, source text, but the, uh, you know, if you keep it simple and everything is something to be grateful for, then you'll have a better chance at recognizing when and how to delegate and how much to delegate because you're not holding on to things, you know, that gratitude helps you not abuse gifts you've been given. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're not grateful, then you'll hold on to gifts because you'll need them for power and for compensation for something that you're lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think with, um, when we, when we talk about things, uh, like rest, some of that is, um, looking at other people for that rest, knowing that, um, you know, we all have different kind of proclivities, but some of us like get energized around people. It's mm-hmm. actually more restful to be around people than yes. to just be at our house. Some of us need to read a book at night by ourselves in the quiet or listen to some music alone in the car on the drive home or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, to understand relationally how that rest works. Um, but to also understand, like, there's a million things you can read out there with people's opinions where mm-hmm. they'll say things like, oh, you know, you, uh, a human can only do concentrated work for 30 minutes without a break. Yeah. Which I think is not true. I think you can I don't do a true. lot more. Um, and if you've been in the studio. That's a mechanistic that doesn't account for what we said before. Hey, right. if you're an amber, you can you can tune out for hours and not even know it. So yeah. that's just not true. Yeah, because I think really, I mean, you've got um, whatever your kind of space is, but also resting doesn't have to mean just like, you know, popping a nap or whatever. Yeah. Else. It could just be like, you know, taking a lap around the building with yeah. a cup of coffee. Good to go. Let's let's jump in again. Yep. Resting one set of actual or metaphorical muscles might just mean using another set of metaphorical or actual yeah. muscles. Yeah, for real. You could go from highly creative to like highly like rational. Um, Re- rest, will, rest will also come in a, because I got we, we to close this out pretty quickly, but rest will come often also when you are not trying to prove yourself or protect yourself all the time to everyone. Like when you're always like, everybody needs to know that I'm awesome and I have to prove myself to everybody. And if they don't, I'll die and I'll feel terrible about myself and self, 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 self. You'll never have rest. But if you're not worried about those things, and I would say there's a spiritual component to it. So like, I think there's real issues with why does we have a hard time finding rest? I think it's a deeply, metaphysical anthropological like psychological heart level problem but um part of the solution has to do with the fact that you're not the center of the universe you don't have to prove that you're the center of the universe and you don't need other people to reinforce you as the center of the universe and if you get that you will have rest and the reason why there'll be rest is because you won't be overestimating yourself to god level status which means you you're acting as though you can sustain the universe and you can't and that, that will wear you to your bones and you'll die. Like, and that's what people do. They exhaust themselves and they die on a deathbed of depression having done great things, but they're too blind to see it because they're fatigued by acting like they're something that they're not. 
And then what that does is everybody else sees that person and says, I want to be that too. Cause I want those accolades, but you're like, you weren't inhabiting their skin. You don't realize how wore down they were mm-hmm. trying to be something they weren't. And there was no rest for the weary. Um, the best picture of rest I've ever seen is to watch the, and I'll just say this as I've said it before is watch chariots of fire and watch two people run and talk about rest. Just watch that movie and yeah. look at the contrast, the, 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 the narrative contrast between these two historic figures, both running the same race with two different perspectives on who they were and yeah. where their value came from. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's good. All right. So, uh, speaking of time management, I think we've wrapped it up. Uh, we're going to move on to the next topic in the next episode um, uh, on in the series. So uh, catch us uh, with that one again. Like we always say, we love you guys. You are a fantastic audience. We will catch you next time. Peace. See you. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.